2: I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. How's it going everybody and welcome to another episode, another fine episode of Knife Talk. Uh, I'm here with our fearless leader, Mr. Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and uh, our our bantering badass buddy boy, (laughs) I don't know. Sorry about that Jeff. Uh, Jeff Fader. <laughs> no that's fine. But we're here to talk knives. We're here to kind of learn some stuff from each other. We're here to answer your questions. It's been a wild wild
3: week. Uh, these uh, these last few weeks into the, into the uh, end of the 2018 have been uh, a little bit hectic. Uh, I recently uh, had some problems with a piece of Damascus last episode. Mm. I got the new piece of Damascus in. I made the knife. The heat treat went great. The thin. I got it. I thank to so the thanks to you. I used um, uh, uh ferric chloride treatment, and I did do the coffee etch, which was amazing. It was an incredible experience. I used exactly what you said. I got the classic uh, Nescafe Classico, and I put it in That's a bucket. I put it in I put in a quart of water, and I boiled it up. And then I took some cold water and I put it in there, and I made a huge mistake. Uh-oh. The mistake was I tasted it. Ugh. It <laughs> it was it was it was one of those f- tastes where it's like that smell, when you smell something and it comes at you like really really hard. Oof. It's you know the, 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 when you're supposed to drink if you're supposed to drink that instant coffee you're only supposed to drink like one tablespoon per cup. Right. Well, we're putting the whole container in for like for a quart and it was like it was so intense <laughs> it was so intense i was like oh my god but it wasn't like this is strong coffee this is like i think i fucked up my stomach lining <laughs> like it was so strong and it's so disgusting and i was like this is this tastes horrible but it's got to work and it did i was stunned at how well it worked I actually yeah. just coffee etched that knife yesterday and um i uh I was amazed at how it went from the contrasting colors going from brown to over time to go black. And it was right. it was stunning. And at, just as you said, that finish does not come off. You can't get that finish off. So it was a dynamite finish. I'm super stunned. I'm just finishing it up now. And thanks to you, I got that squared away. There's been got, a lot
1: of love, a lot of love for that coffee routine as well. Yeah, i a, um, a lot of people Instagram, it people too. sending us pictures, all sorts
3: damn sure. right and, and well worth it too because it was awesome
2: totally awesome i haven't tried the coffee yet and i feel terrible <laughs> i feel like i got to try it now that you've tried it and i've been doing this for it's, like four years i now. mean we are talking like it isn't coffee anymore
3: putrid. it's something else it's it, putrid. It, it, and and and, <laughs> and when i stored it when i stored it in these glass mason jars to get to my studio yeah and the other thing i loved i'm so glad you mentioned was the sorry, fact sorry, that sorry you jeff have,
1: jeff to get to where did you say sorry then
3: Oh shit, you caught me Oh shit, you caught me. You're fucking right. That good for you. You've got you've got this fancy new coffee
1: machine there, so I I suppose it's the studio now. It's a studio. I have a
3: really nice fucking coffee machine. We, I hate to say I hate to say it. I don't hate to say it, but we're spo- – I'm now – Fader Knives is sponsored by Nespresso. Nespresso <laughs> sent us a coffee machine. So Tony brought it up and, um, yeah, you know what? I'm a piece of shit. Maybe I am. Maybe this is a studio. But I had to transfer the fucking – this. I had this transfer the goddamn the, – the coffee etch into these mason jars, and it was so thick. Oh, yeah. It was like – It was not like – it's not like the coffee that you imagine. I mean, it was like beyond sludge. Yeah. It just was incredible like to me. It was incredibly – oh, yeah, exactly. It was just like totally syrup. To my shop. I fucked up. You got me. <laughs> Good job. Good job, Craig. Well done. Don't let me slip.
1: Well, I've been – amazingly, I've had time to get back into, back into the studio this week. Um, so working on lots of orders, trying to get out as much as I can before Christmas – I've been working on more sort of resin casts as well for handles, um, and finally got a sort of recipe that I'm happy with. So, the biggest issue with casting sort of organic materials in a resin is that they'll rot. Even you know it's obviously airtight, but they're still going to rot. Um, So I had a tip from somebody, and that's I'm using the stuff that the uh, like butterfly collectors use. You know, when the butterfly collectors they get these rare species. And they almost embalm them before uh, putting them in in resin. So I've got some of that stuff.
2: Yeah, so like taxidermy vegetables and fruit.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So it's completely sealing it and it's keeping the the colors quite vibrant. Um, So again, more testing with that this week. It seems to be working a lot better with this stuff, Um, but only time will tell. So that's been left out, sort of out in the sun, out in the weather. Just to see how, whether that degrades or not, but um, looking good so far. Looking very good.
3: So we saw that you did the tomatoes. What other vegetables are you giving a whirl? What works and what doesn't work?
1: Um, anything with moisture in it is difficult mm. because simply the moisture is going to dry out, and it's and it's it's not going to work. So, for example, with the tomatoes, um, they were dehydrated first, then they were put in this this butterfly collector juice, as I call it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um and I'm using like herbs, herbs, that kind of stuff at the moment, dried herbs, oh, because mm, obviously right. they're dry anyway. And they sure. look quite vivid. Um yeah, beetroot. Also I've got some beetroot on the go at the moment because that's a really vivid colour. So we'll see. We'll see. But it, it's it's looking promising so far. So as well as that, it's just been, as I say, getting knives out. Um I've got plans for twenty nineteen, so working on them a little bit. And just sort of wrapping up really for the year, because sure, you know huh? it's it's nearly upon us. Yeah. Yes, I, it is.
2: I've kind of been doing the same thing. I actually am getting ready to travel uh, west, and I think by the time this airs, I'll be over in Washington State and not no longer in Connecticut, at least just for the holidays. But anyhow. Um, but, yeah, I, I have a few days left, and so I'm just kind of working on tidying things up. I do have one build that I feel pretty confident I'm going to get done, uh, but it's going to be kind of tight. Uh, but I've just been working on um, getting the handle set up and put together. Um, uh, the customer actually sent me the handle material. So it's always a little nerve wracking when the customer, customer sends the handle material. Cause then it's, you know, it's their cost on the handle material. If you screwed up, there's the just, one. Just the one. Yeah. And I'll tell you, I've, I've messed up blocks before. Sadly, uh, actually I, it's only one, but it was a, uh, it was like a $200 piece of exhibition grade Koa. And wow. it was fucking heartbreaking. And, um, I've only seen, actually, a couple more pieces that were that level quality, Um, but those were only recently in the last year, and this was, like, three or four years ago, like, when I first started out on my own. So, but this is a beautiful Buckeye Burl, and uh it's all glued up. Tomorrow, uh, I'm going to be back in the shop, I'm going to be, uh, it's getting a Japanese Western style profile, or handle sculpting, so... um it, again, the and what's frustrating is like the stainless steel, the stainless woots knife that I just finished also had a Japanese cowboy, and I screwed that one up. Fortunately, that was my handle material, but I got one shot on this. And so I'm just going to take it slow, do my thing, not, not be distracted at all because I just cannot afford for any mistakes to happen with this. Well, Fortune favors the bold. <laughs> yeah. That's this. If it was easy, everybody would do it. That's true. That's true.
3: Yeah.
1: So we we just mentioned Christmas is is nearly here. Um, I think when this is, we've got one week to go. So I've been thinking about um, gifts for knife makers. Um, mm. I'm always being asked, you know, what do you want for Christmas from family members, that kind of thing. And I'm sure, you know, most of our listeners are too. So I thought we'd run through some little gifts that people could maybe put on their Christmas list or, you know, give hints to their partners, the kind of stuff they'd want. Sure. It's little stocking fillers, you know, little stuff that'll help around the shop. Um I'm going to start off with a with a with a Bill Benke file guide because I think everybody needs one. They're cheap, they're small. Um they're a good stocking filler for Christmas. Yeah.
2: I think it's a good move. That's a good one. And Jeff can attest like they're super versatile. It's actually surprising what kind of all kinds of stuff that they're good for. <laughs> um hmm. and and different I love Bill. Yeah.
3: And you know it's interesting because now maybe we can talk about something. Well, Mareko and I both got sent uh, those radius plattens that Bill's starting ah, to make. I did
1: see, and, they, they and, look uh, great.
3: they're amazing. Those will and fit in was, the stocking it, too. That will spit in the stocking. It'll be like a club. You can either, like hit somebody on the head with it. But it's so basically like it's a thirty-six a fat girl inch. That's right. Yeah, the old the old prison yard stocking. Right. Yeah. thank you and, go. Um, so so he's starting to make Bill's starting to make those radius platins and I know that the ones that he's making now are uh they're they're beautiful. He just sent us he sent you one earlier and then yeah. I think he sent you the second variation. And basically I, I, it, it, they're awesome and I know that now that he makes them um they the holes are are coordinated with the KMG style right. uh platins but <laughs> You know what? I started to realize we we are all very creative people. It doesn't really for matter. Sure. All you have to do is all you have to do is just kind of drill a couple holes and drill a couple, you know, and then with yeah. on a plate and you can make it work. It's not a big deal. But he is yeah. going to be making more more for various uh, gr- grinder, uh, ver you know, platens. And what I thought is is now because a lot of people mentioned I, I posted it up and you posted it up and started getting mentions and it would be really good to kind of talk to people about it um, about using those. Uh, and I just, you know, I know that we're doing Christmas gifts, but I just thought it would be a good idea to kind of talk about those platins. Yeah. Um,
2: they're, I mean, and Maraca, you use them all the time. The radius platen, yeah, yeah, it's, right. So every grind, every knife I grind, unless it's otherwise requested, my standard grind is the S grind, which is, you know, it's the hollow above a convex edge. Right. So it's it's really a it's a it's it, you're
3: it's bigger it's a bigger radius than you would get on a, just a regular contact wheel. Yeah, um, they're really great for that. You know that food. It's all about the, that hollow
2: that gives you that food release. That half an inch from your edge. Yeah, right. Well, and it's effectively nope. you're you're removing material that would otherwise be sliding against uh, your food. And any right. time the food's in contact with the surface, it increases the friction and as you're cutting through stuff. So anything you can do to help reduce that friction, either a thin blade or a thin knife or doing the S-grind, it's going to make a huge difference in how that knife performs and cuts.
0: Hmm.
1: We've had a now, few
2: questions actually come
1: through to the, the Knife Talk podcast Instagram account because you guys obviously put your pictures up of, the, of the, these new platens. Um, but they're asking then if you're doing an S-grind or, or a hollow grind, how are you then hand sanding? We had a few people ask that same question.
2: Yeah. I mean, so I posted up my hand sanding stick actually on the Knife Talk Instagram. If you're not following, what are you doing? Hmm. Go follow us. Uh, But anyways, uh, yeah, I actually, so I made a hand sanding stick out of just a scrap piece of 2x4 that kind of fits into that contour in there so that instead of, you know, typically on a blade, you have a flat hand sanding stick. So this one's contoured to fit in that hollow and get in there and scrub around and hand sand that uh, you know, all, all up in there, <laughs> get it all cleaned out. But uh, that, I mean, that's basically, there's not a whole lot else you can do. Uh, I mean, some people sandblast their blades. So that might be an easy way to get into the contours. I haven't played with that much, so I can't really speak to how effective it is, but I think people are getting good results. But the easiest thing you can do is just take a scrap piece of wood and cut it to kind of, and sand it up. So it fits in that contour and kind of replicates that, that radius. And then start sanding in there. Yeah,
3: you just hold the wood up to the profile, and then you sketch out the profile of the of the radius, and then cut it out exactly. And then you can you can even stick on you can even glue on some you know very thin rubber if you you know I've done that before. It's a good um, move. It's it's you know a little bit of rubber to kind of get you in there. It's not that big of a deal. A couple of questions I was going to ask you, especially is sure. Well, one is is that Adam from Built Sharp said he uses a chiller plate. Mm. with the with with uh, with the uh with the radius plate and he says that because the to get the belt to kind of uh follow the profile of the radius plate and sometimes it heats it gets more you get more friction on the belt Sure. And you would normally, that's why a lot of guys use a chiller plate. And that, I guess it's a, I am imagining that it's just like a unit that you have a, like a bucket of ice and it rotates ice water <laughs> through the back of your platen. No, literally it rotates the, the water, yeah, yeah, yeah. the ice water. Yeah, it's yeah water cooled, they- yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's right. water cooled, yeah. you, yeah. now, do you
2: need, and I don't, I'm, I just made the assumption that you don't use those. No, I don't. I've do never- you need one? I don't think you need one. I've been running my my radius platin that I made for four years, four and a half years now. I've never I've never used a water chill, and there's nothing wrong with them. Um, I never quite understood them though. I think a lot. I think people mistakenly think that they're helping to protect protect the blade from overheating from heat transfer from the platen through the belt to the blade. But the the blade gets hot because it's, in contact with that belt that's moving at high speed. And the friction from that is what's heating up the blade. It's not the heat in, in the, the, the platen. If anything, the purpose of water cooling a platen is to act, help preserve the belt. But the belts that I use, they're dead before any, they any kind of like structural integrity, especially at the, the joint is lost. Um, so I've never concerned myself with water cool belt, cooled belts, and it's actually surprising how much cooler a radius platen actually grinds than a flat platen. I, huh. I I feel like I, bl- and because it is a radius, it kind of cuts a little bit more aggressively, and versus being flat. And it's, I, more, it's a more of a pin. It's almost more of a pinpoint. Yeah, it's it's focusing that pressure on that radius really helps get in there and cut some stuff out, and. You know, I, I get that hollow in there in pretty short order. When I lay it out, on even just on one side, it takes about two or three minutes. And then from there, I'm just refining my scratches. But, um, yeah, the friction that's, and the heat that's happening in the blade is coming from the belt, not the platen. Um, so I've, I've never concerned myself with water-cooled platens. I think they're cool. I think they're neat. I've never had so a use speak. for them, ever. Uh, ha 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 ha. <laughs> they are cool. Yeah, I didn't even realize right. I was doing that. <laughs>
3: so the last question I had is, if, all right, let's say everyone, someone's listening, say, I want to get this radius platen. And I just got one. Bill yeah. sent me one to use, and I can't wait to use it. Now, I would imagine if I were to put in an S-grind, sure. and, and you tell me if I'm doing this wrong. This is, in my mind, I was trying to figure out what my procedure would be. And the first thing I would do would be to put on a flat platen and get my geometry close and then after I get on the flat platen, then I'm going to – me, I'm going to hit it on the, on the disc grinder. And then after I hit on the disc grinder, then I'm going
2: to hit it with the radius platen. I think that's a good move. It, and, I mean, we're kind of getting into notes to a young knife maker describing how – Oh, oh well, never mind. Bo- let's just leave it alone. Uh, let's leave it alone then. Okay. Let's save it for the
3: next thing. Let's save it for the end. But all right. All right we're going to do that. I'm sorry I didn't realize. We'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, let's do it. We'll get into it later. All right. So right. listen I mean, now. You now we got you. Now now you're screwed. You got your these <laughs> the listeners got their pencil and they got their pen and now they gotta wait. So back to Christmas gifts. Christmas May gifts. I, yeah. Just May to I point
1: see- out too that Bill Banky isn't isn't sponsoring the show in any way. It's just not at we, all. We all use his stuff and we all think it's great. That's all it is. I've, I well, have I have bought
3: guy. every single file guide. I have I have like eight file guides from him. I have not asked for anything. I've not asked for discounts. Yeah. I, I'm happy to pay him. He's a dynamite guy, very forward-thinking. I like him a lot, and I would never I would never ask for anything for free for him. He sent it to me to use, and I can't wait to – and I want to try to move – we want to move some, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I thought of two little two little fun – one thing – I had a couple things, but I'll just go with one because we went so far in that radius. But <laughs> if, you're, if you're doing like kind of outdoorsy knives – and you want a little something to get. You know what jimping is, Craig? You know, what, oh, you yeah. know about jimping? I know what jimping is. It's the little grooves, got, yeah. Yeah, the little grooves above your thumb. Yeah. You can get a checkering file, and they're like 35 bucks. call It's not called – if you start to look up a jimping file, boy, you'll never find anything. J-I-M-P-I-N-G. <laughs> you're never going to find it. You got a, it's called a checkering file, and they have different sizes – And it's it's your whole little those little thumb marks at the top of your knife. Hmm. It's all on one file. So all you're doing is you're going um, you're doing one set of strokes, and it cuts in all your lines at the same time. That is a good little thing that you wouldn't normally think would be good, but all of a sudden you have to start to like if you if you were to fucking measure out those little marks and go with a hacksaw, you're out. Oh my god! Go get yourself a thirty-five dollar jimping file. Five passes, you got beautiful chimping. Yep. Nice. There you go. All
2: right. If if uh, yeah, let's see. Stocking stuffers, gifts for uh, knife makers. I would say um, something I absolutely love, and it's super simple, and it seems like I, I feel like most people should have one. But if you don't have one, a carbide scribe is such a useful tool to have. It oh, yeah. you use it for outlining and scribing and marking all kinds of stuff. I use it on my handle material when I'm getting ready to, to put in a hidden tang into the block. Um, you know, I do I scribe the outline because whether if I use markers or pencils or whatever, it eventually rubs off. But if I scribe that line in, it's in the wood. I'm not gonna lose it until I'm ready for it to go away. And so a carbide scribe is a sweet uh tool and it's just a little thing. Um, other little stocking stuffers you can get on, like, uh, you know, you can find them online, but they're these little sets of machinist squares. I, I have a set that I got. It was four squares and it's like a, a two inch, three inch, four inch, and a six inch. Those are awesome too. I use those all the time. Um, when it comes... Is that like to, a one, two, three block? No, well, I mean, places that sell them, I'm just going to throw it out there. Grizzly, uh, online, like you can get them on Grizzly, um, but... Uh, the one, two, three blocks are different. They're used. I don't know. People use them for all kinds of crazy stuff as spacers, yeah, spacers, or to lift things up, or I they're good for drilling for pass-through yeah, for drilling exactly yeah. for pass through drilling. Actually, uh, my carbide scribes that I have – or uh, sorry, shoulders filing shoulders that I have. they are a different brand. We're not going to talk about them, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we love Bill Benke. But anyways, um, I put in larger or longer roll pins. Uh, cause dowel, sorry, dowel pins, uh, because yeah. I was using it for the, the integral bolster instead of just a flat blade. And so I needed more space in there. So I swapped out the inch and a quarter for two and a quarter and I used a one, two, three block, uh, and my hydraulic press and just like a finish nail, um, setting, uh, punch and it just pushed it right out. Super easy. You could wow. do it by hand too in a vice or even on your bench. But, uh, anyhow, yeah, one, two, three blocks, little machine squares, carbide scribe. I'd also say that the only measuring thing I really use in the whole shop is uh, a pair of calipers. Um, I don't really measure a whole lot, except for length, like, you know, obviously tape measure. But outside of that, I don't measure my stuff, which sounds uh, very imprecise, but... It just I just I, I measure it by using it and seeing how it feels when I use it. If it doesn't seem to be working right, then I go back in and I kind of grind here and there. Um, but a car, uh, what is it? The calipers. I would say calipers are a great tool. Hmm. Otherwise, oh, hmm. gift certificates are good. Harbor Freight. <laughs> Get a gift certificate to Harbor Freight. Yeah.
1: Oh,
3: jeez, yeah. yeah. I've
1: I've got a couple of quick ones too. Just really simple ones. About... I
3: got one more too. I got one more too. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Okay. Okay. A, a head torch. Something Ooh, really what, simple. What is a head torch? You know, like those like miners lamp. lamps that you put on your oh, head. Oh,
3: you mean like yeah. a flashlight. Yes, that on your head. So a fucking head torch, I thought, th- th- what I th- what are you treating from your head? No, no. A head torch.
1: So a good example is is when you're hand sanding. You want you want a really good light on that and the light in my shop isn't the best. Mm. Now I know a lot of you listeners you've got dark and dank kind of shops and you know you're not let much light in so get a good head torch you've got a really good direct beam of light onto whatever you're standing there's gonna help
3: there's some language there's some language barrier the head i was looking at the show notes i was like what the fuck is a head torch (laughs) (laughs) it's fine oh flashlight for your head flashlight for your head a flashlight for your head
1: um another very quick one is really simple but a decent water bottle you know, with a yeah. with a nice lid to it, so you're not going to get all the crap from the from the shop going into your water. Right. Because it's easy to forget to stay hydrated. You go you know you can be really hot. You can be moving around a fair bit. So get a decent water bottle, get a good head torch, and you're
2: away. Stay yeah. hydrated. It's important. Yeah. <laughs> I've been terrible yeah. about drinking water. It's just been getting Me colder too. and drier here. And the corners of my, especially my index finger and my thumb on my right hand, because I'm right hand dominant, so I'm always grabbing and using stuff with that. The corners are starting to crack super deep, and it's, I think a big part of it is just I'm not drinking enough water, because yeah. I get too distracted with whatever I'm doing. Yeah, the my,
3: my, my skin on my hands always ends up looking like tree bark after a while, especially the colder it gets. I saw it on that video. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, you know what, the, you know what the crazy, yeah, very funny. You know what, I was going to make a joke because I when I was doing the coffee etch, I stupidly put my hand in, Ooh, thinking it's happen? just coffee. What's the big deal? My hand from from my knuckles down like to my fingertips time. were black, were black, and I couldn't scrub it out. And I was like, oh my god, it etched my hand. It, I was like, what's a fucking coffee? I th- I'm telling you, it was like my my fingers were wearing stockings. It was black stockings. It was unbelievable.
1: Are you, Jeff, are you sure that now you're 48, that you haven't gone through a midlife crisis? You went to 45. a tanning salon and you yeah. had a dodgy face. Just fake my tan. fingers. Yeah, I had
3: a dodgy <laughs> fake. Yeah, 48. Forty-five, and no, I didn't get a spray tan on my hands. Trust me, and they're they're still like the nails are like the it's like it's bad. Like I got I, my sisters are coming to visit me, and they they have their sculptors too. So they're like their hands are all disaster. And we all stand around saying whose hands are the worst, and it's gonna be I'm gonna, gonna win, win this year. It's nice. terrible. Oh, by a mile. I got that coffee the coffee etch. The coffee etch is like oh my god. To wear gloves when you do the coffee etch. Last thing I would suggest for uh the Christmas Christmas gifties is I'm a big Corby bolt man and I love them. I love everything about them. If you're going to use a Corby bolt, gotta get the it's called they're called rivet drill bits. And usually the, oh, the, the step places bits. Yeah, I thought they were called step bits too, but if you if you look up what a step bit is, it's not gonna come up. And and what these what these knife supply companies do that are smart is usually they'll sell you the Corby bolt, and then underneath they'll say, "If you're buying this, you should use the 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 right bit for mm. it." So basically, it's not really a bit; it, it's like a, it's you have to think of more of a countersink. Yeah. So the way Corby works, uh, Corby works is got you, you got two ends, and they're very the, the 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 heads are very on the long side, and then there's a thread uh, thread, and then there's a nut, but there's a shoulder. It's a very light light shoulder. And you need to set that shoulder in, and these these, these uh, rivet drill bits m- give you a super, super tight, uh, precise uh, uh, countersink bit, a countersink hole for your Corby's. And it's like, don't fool around with just getting a drill bit and, and try to oversize the hole. It don't work. Mm-hmm. These, you got to get that, you got to pay like 20 bucks for the drill bit, but it'll give you that exact
2: shoulder that you need for the Corby's. I love them. I actually thought it would wear thing. Those are, it's great. I have one. Go of ahead. Those. If if you love the show and you love what we're doing here, uh, you know what you uh-oh. should really do. <laughs> you should get a Knife Talk T-shirt, which you can find on KnifeTalk.net. Uh. Show some love. We appreciate the support. <laughs> but for also, your favorite the- knife maker. Oh, don't get them for your wife though. She's gonna be like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the you know the funny thing is when you came up with
3: this bit, uh, uh, Craig. I thought. The people who are listening to this are not – they're going to like, hey, honey, here's your three, two, one block that you always wanted. She's going to be like, what the fuck is this?
1: this no, is some bullshit. no, no, no. Yeah. I'm always being asked what do I want for, for, for Christmas. I never know. I just – oh, I, I don't know, I say. But, you know, hopefully people uh, – they now have a list. They now have a list. Yeah, yeah. I always one, say leave me alone. One thing to say about those T-shirts yeah. um this is probably your last opportunity to buy the current T-shirt because Alrighty. we've been working on new designs. So in the new year, we're going to have a new T-shirt every month, and we've got some epic designs coming up. So this is your last opportunity to buy the current T-shirt. but Stand by for some awesome yeah, new we're shirts. Yeah, all,
3: we're all going to design some T-shirts. It's going to be mm. fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be fun. Craig's Community Showcase. Uh, it's going to be me this time. I'm not Craig. I'm Jeff. I was going to add... What's up, Jeff? Well, how are you? We, we might have to add a few, you know, just to make sure that this is a real Christmas. We should tell a little few Christmas stories hmm. at the end. But, you know, we'll see where we're at. Oh. So for this week's Craig's Community Showcase uh, by me, Jeff, is uh, I really wanted to give a big... You got to support these guys. It's they're called very good knife making supplies, and they're actually it's a knife making supply company that just they make uh, different colored micarta's, and it's run by friends of ours, ah, Jack, Jackie, Jackie Awesome, yes. Adam Balkovic, and I think that's how you pronounce it. That's how I'm pronouncing it, and Jackie Awesome from Built Sharp Knives. They figured out they they. Adam and Jackie make beautiful knives, and their handles are always the colors of their handles are always just like I always wondered where do they get those colors? Well, they're making these amazing new um, (laughs) shades of micarta that you don't find very often. Mm. Uh, Lots of different tones and shades. I don't think you
2: find them anywhere.
3: No, you don't find them anywhere. He actually, I actually am finishing off pretty um, rad twelve knives that are going to go down to this restaurant, and they wanted turquoise. And I'm like, well, I don't know where you get turquoise. I called up Adam. Adam said, so "I'll make you some turquoise." And he 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 knocked out these beautiful uh, uh, scales for me. I told him how much I needed. He, I I even gave him the dimensions I wanted the uh, the scales. He cut them out for me. He got them right up. Um, but he they're doing colors that you don't find at all. And it's a lot of tones. It's a lot of shades. They're really beautiful. I just got a pile of them and they were really, really well milled. They're beautiful. There was no weirdness. All the colors were the same. Um, and they're friends of the show. Jackie Awesome's terrific. She's fantastic. And her husband, Adam, is awesome. They make awesome knives. But they're doing really, really great things. So I really want you to all go to very good knife making supplies. And you should see it. You can see them. They're putting them up there. I don't think they have. I don't think their website is ready to take orders. But I think that they're just slowly, slowly kind of getting it squared away. But they have a lot of stuff, and you can, you can contact them. They make beautiful, beautiful micarta colors yeah. that yeah. I've never seen before. I've I got like, a
1: question no. about that, that paper micarta. Yeah. So I, I've used micarta in the past, which is cloth. But when you grind at an angle, you see the, the different layers. Do you, do you see that in the paper?
3: This No. To be honest with you, if you told me it was G10, I would have believed you. Oh, like okay, it's, it's nice. very, it's, it's, well, one of the reasons why is because G10 always has had very vibrant colors. Hmm. So I haven't seen a lot of vibrant colors out of micarta, but this is like, I mean, it, no, the answer is no. with this paper nice. micarta, it's just like a, it, they're like, it's like a solid block. But generally when you, with a lot of the, you know, the, the canvas micarta, you see that kind of like, uh, uh, those layery things, but it's. It's great. I mean, it's beautiful. And you know what? I wouldn't even mind if it were a little bit of texture on the side because they're going to be – I'm just seeing it from the sides. But I'm amazed at I'm amazed at what they're doing you know, they make beautiful knives. and I just can't believe they have enough time to, to make these really, really beautiful colors. Very unique. No one's doing colors like this.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah, nice. I, got a, I got a set of them scales too. And I'm lo- really looking forward to using them and putting them putting through the tasks. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're, they're going to come out really nice. And then, and
3: you know, I I needed the colors. I said, I, you know, what happened was, is I was just like, well, let me see what Adam. So I sent Adam a message, and he says, hey, I'll let me, get, I'll get you, I'll get those colors for you. I mean, he built the the slabs. Like I needed, I needed some she- I needed like enough for fifteen, not kn- for twelve knives. He knocked right. them out fast. He knocked them out fast, and he uh, they were beautiful. And yeah, they're, I I think that they're they're going to lead the way in terms of kind of this new color that people don't people don't normally get. So. Very mm, right. good knife making supplies. Jackie Awesome and Adam Balkovic have built sharp knives.
1: Yeah. And they're both. knife makers too. They they know yeah. they know their stuff.
3: I think that they've been doing it for themselves for a while. And they're just like, you know what? Everyone's asking where you get these things. And I think I make it. And, mm. and I think that they were, you know, their colors, they're very, I've always felt like they both have very uh, high concept color choices. The tones that they use, the contrast. They remind me that of Lake
2: Crusade. They remind me, of oh the, yeah. like the yeah. colors, late crusades. So yeah, good.
3: yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of those kind of like, um, not primary colors. These kind of off tones that are just they kind of they vibrate off each other. I, I know there's one picture of these, 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 these variations of a, like a blue and turquoise going into green. They're you, they're really, really giving you beautiful. It's kind of like um, there was that. I know what you're talking about. I I was going to come up with uh, a different. Uh, who cares? They're great. Go get them. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> he was also just featured in Blade Magazine a couple months ago, I think. Yeah, Adam. they're
3: badasses. He's, yeah. he's an insane... He good work. Yeah, no, no, yeah. their shit is tight. Their shit is tight. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs>
1: we've had plenty of questions this week. Um, I'm going to jump straight in because we've got quite well, a wait. few.
3: Can I just add to... I wanted to amend last week's episode. Sure. Like last sure. week's episode, somebody asked about about heat treating with a torch, and Marekko and I are like, I don't heat treat with a torch. It, uh-huh. It's crazy. I still think it's crazy. However, I got a message from Burroughs Forge, and he told me about a book. It's called Forging and Finishing the Brute to Forge Knife by Joe Kiesler. And I actually oh have that book, and you can get it. At, you can go to the American Bladesman Society, and they sell it. So it's it's called Forging and Finishing the Brute to Forge Knife by Joe Kiesler. Keesler K E E S L A R. It's an awesome more book. More Christmas I have. presents. There you go. More Christmas presents. It's a great <laughs> book, and he goes step by step on how to heat treat, treat um, a knife with a torch. He uses a cutting torch, which I told you not to do, but he does it anyway. He does, I'm sure he knows more than I do about it. And he did what Craig suggested, which is an ed- edge quench. So there you go. Thank you, Burroughs Forge, for uh, sending me that. That's a good tip. You know, we just you know we sometimes we just shoot our mouths off without you know. What can you do? But that's right. So boom, nice. I, I was
2: trying to say before that it's it's doable. I've done it, but you yeah. got to really know what you're looking for. Yeah, it's
3: not like slapdash. So it's not a slapdash situation. No. You have to kind of. Function.
2: And if you're gonna if you're gonna try to learn it, learn from somebody who's done it because watching videos is gonna do you no good because the color on videos no is not the same as what you see in real life. Um especially when it comes to how bright steel can get. And so, yeah, it's, working with somebody who knows how to do it and has done it uh, is the best way to learn it if you really want to do it that way. But I say All get right. a heat treat and kill. All right. Boom. Yeah. Or okay. Christmas presents.
1: Um, let's, let's go on with a bunch of questions we got this week. So we've got let's Zach Heidi Blacksmith in has asked, what's a good temper cycle for 01 tool steel? What do you guys think?
3: I've never used a one tool, tool steel, so I'm sending <laughs> really? it out. Ah,
1: okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sending it out. I use it quite a lot. So I would always I'd go, go for two cycles, um, generally around about – oh, this is where we get the, the Fahrenheit and Celsius mixed up now. Oh, no.
3: Uh-oh. Oh, um,
1: so in, in proper temperatures, which would be Celsius, I'd go for about <laughs> 185 185 Celsius, which is probably about 370 Fahrenheit, I think, round about, um, for an hour cycle. Um, let it take it out of the oven, let it cool all the way down and put it back into um the your hot oven, which is at that temperature again, for another hour. So for that first temper cycle it's going to the cold oven and it ramps up slowly. The second temper cycle it's going back into that hot oven. Um and that seems to work for me. So that's what I've always done with O one. Um but I'm sure it like anything else, there's probably a million ways to do it. Um but that seems to work well for me.
3: What's the, uh, Celsius, what's the Celsius of your head torch?
1: <laughs> you may mock, right? But I've, been, <laughs> I've been thinking, what the hell is Fahrenheit all about? Celsius is easy. You've got zero degrees freezing, 100 degrees boiling water. When you're yep. talking minus and pluses, uh, stupid amounts, wh- why would anybody use Fahrenheit? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I think we should well, ban Fahrenheit and it'd be just Celsius from now on.
3: Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure everybody's going to use millimeters too.
1: Well, yes, yes. Why not? Of
3: you know, all movie. of our listeners Ooh, it's a are <laughs> most of our listeners are not Amer I mean, I, I think that most of our fans are definitely not Americans. Like, I would think the majority comes from all over the world, and they're probably screaming, "Yeah, you fuck you!" And your seven ths and your you're your three thirty seconds, go fuck yourself. Hey, what am I supposed to do? I learned how to read a tape measure. I don't, I don't, I don't I know. Inches and eighths and sixteenths, you tell, I'll, write, I'll read it off to you. I, don't, I can't do the millimeters.
1: Got to be easier. Got to be easier. Moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, Helmax86 asks, for a beginner smith with the ability to only buy one, would you um, get a, a small four- or five-inch leg vice? Would that be better than the heavy-duty bench vice, he's asking.
2: If you can get a hold of a four- or five-inch leg vice, I say do it.
3: Yeah. Well, you gotta be able to be. You gotta have room for it. You know.
2: That's true. Yeah. I mean, but
3: a regular vice, you're gonna have to mount that somewhere, anyways. But you want to so, with the leg vice, you want to have something that little foot that hits the ground. You want you want to make sure that that's stationed some too. I know that uh, when we used to build mobile leg vice stations, we used to make sure we had a little ring that that yeah. little leg kind of held into because you don't want that thing wobbling around. Oh, yeah. You don't want it floating. It has to be captured. Yeah, it's and resting be on something. Captured. It's got to be captured.
1: Nice. Yeah. Nice. We've yeah, got, so a... I don't
3: know, either one. Either. One. I, I I like, I got those, I got a leg vice and I got like five of those big, uh, those big vices too. I like those too.
1: We've got an audio question in as well from ForgeWorks. So he's ForgeWorks on Instagram and he's asking.
0: When you get a customer and he asks you, like, hey, man, I want to have a custom knife bolt and you start drawing and he says, like, Oh, yeah, that's cool. And then you're saying, like, all right, I want to have half in front and half in back. And then they don't want to pay.
1: Right. I don't know if you heard that, but he's asking yeah. if you get a customer, um, you want something specific. So you start drawing it out and so on. And, and, you know, you can ask for maybe a deposit, 50% up front, 50% at the end. You then make the knife, but then you just don't hear back from them. They just sort of go off grid. Um, he's asking. I think, from what I can gather, he's asking for ways to sort of negate that, so that doesn't happen.
3: I, I, I was, I heard that before, and I thought he was referring to like a guy wants to do it, and you do the drawing, and then all of a sudden you don't hear back from him before he makes the knife. Ah, oh, possibly, possibly. People yeah. are, people are, you know, people are assholes. I mean, it, there's no <laughs> se- I mean, that, that's what it comes down to. There's no like, there's no fixing this problem. You, you have to figure out ways and in, in which to, you know. I want, somebody said negate before. I'm going to say negate again. I want to, I'm going to say it because you have to figure out ways in which to make this more efficient for you. And part of that is not, is not dealing with the bullshit you have mm. to just like, this is how it is. This is what we do. And I'm not touching, I'm not doing drawings until you're done. I had, do have a story that happened to me a long, long time ago, a funny quick story. But when I was really young, I was right out of college and I was doing, I was getting little jobs and this woman commissioned me to make this big table. And I did – I said, all right, great. And it looked – it was going to be a big table with I-beams. and It was going to be this monstrous like giant table. And I did the drawing and some shithead in my family says, you know, you have to charge her for that drawing. And I said, well, I don't think I should because we didn't arrange for that. And this shithead said, oh, no, no, no. You got to – you've got to – she knows. She knows that when you put a bid in in a drawing, you have got to charge her for the drawing. So – this asshole completely pushed me into writing this woman a bill. So I said I sent the drawing, and then I sent a bill with the drawing. And I said, "Well, how much should I charge for the drawing?" And she says, "You should, you should sell. You said two hundred dollars is, is a good price for a, a drawing." So I sent her a fucking bill with the drawing, and I and so the funny part was, I was about to go on vacation with my wife. My she was my girlfriend at the time, and I and listen. Back in the day, I used to smoke a little weed. So I smoked a little weed. I was ready to go on vacation. I'm sitting in the – and this is before cell phones. I'm sitting in the – we're packing our bags. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. And I got this phone call from this woman. Who do you think you are giving me a bill? You have some nerve. This is an outrage. And I don't know who you think you are. Who do you think – I am stoned to the gills, and I am fucking freaking out. I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out because I'm like, I don't know. I don't. It wasn't even my idea, and I don't even know. Anything. Just forget about it. I just and I, it was this totally the worst way. So, so I think what you should do, ForgeWorks, is. Send a bill with the drawing. do <laughs> send the bill. <laughs> Go smoke some weed. Send the drawing and send the bill with the drawing and see what happens. It's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. Yeah. These things happen. That's a true story. You just got to be upfront at every point. I think. You, I think explain. I stopped I smoking so weed. Too. I think I stopped smoking weed after that because I was like, I can't take any phone calls. I used to have to pull out the cords of the phone. I used to pull out the cords of the phone because I was like, I can't. Be, I can't. I can't even answer the phone. My wife would be can't studying. My wife would be studying to be a nurse, and I would just like smoke some weed and crawl in like a sock drawer. And I would unplug all the phones, like a mental patient. And I'm like, Dude, no phones. I'm not answering the phones. Not after that last time. Sounds like you're smoking the wrong kind of weed. I'm no, I was crazy. I'm a. It, it ain't for me, but that that is a funny thing because that totally happened. And I got bullied into sending a bill. I didn't even want to send the bill, and then it was the worst
2: possible way to get the.
1: That's a good lesson, kids. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.
2: Ah! <laughs> yeah. Don't send invoices for about drugs. the whole thing is, uh, and I, I've heard a few conversations around this, is that when it comes to art or graphic design, people expect artists to do work on spec before even getting paid. And it's oh, like yes. yeah. You don't go to a fucking lawyer and have a consultation for free. Well, but you like, do get – That, but you, that but hour if, if, costs you money. But a, like $300. but a contractor, two three hundred dollars. But a contractor
3: has to bid. You know, I when I was working for uh, this uh, metal shop, they would have yeah. to come up with bids for jobs, and they would have to go over. Sure. They would have to spend time going over blueprints and figuring oh, out how much steel they had to buy, and then they had to come in with a price that was going to uh, was going to be uh, reasonable for their shop, including all the man hours, how long it's going to take, blah blah. And it, that's and if you don't get the job because you're coming, your bids too too high, then you don't get paid for that. Mm-hmm. That's business. You have to come yeah. in with bids that, you know, you have to eat it. You can't, you can't draw. That's why that woman screamed at me. She's just like, what the fuck are you doing? $200, forget it. I, I think yeah, with I- any
1: sort of creative process, it's quite often sort of just overlooked and people don't necessarily realize the time that's gone into it, you know? Right. So when you're talking right, about right. drawings or whether it could be drawings or whether it could be design work or whatever, people don't realize that that's, you know, that's taking part of your working day. That's, that's, that should be billable hours, really.
3: Well, but the, yeah. so the key is is you have to set that you have to set that so forge work you got to set the tone right off the bat saying hmm. I'm not doing anything until you give a deposit. I, I think deposits are important, and I, we've gotten a lot of questions about taking deposits and stuff. Um, yeah. I think it's it becomes this it becomes a, a show of faith, a good faith and commitment. Um, but like for me, I do drawings all the time because in my mind I'm going to use those drawings later down the road. So like for me, it's like. Sure it's better for me in general but if 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 the drawing sucked and i and i was losing money every single one that would be a problem too yeah yeah people are jerks people that they, they, they <laughs> don't answer they're jerks people are jerks
1: hey man can i ask you a question yeah carl okay let's go for one more question so we've got a question from i think it's kotu koti zao i think that's his name on instagram so it's Cote i z a o um, and he, apparently he's asking for a friend yeah, uh, baby. But, but he's asking how do you get rid of that smell of burnt antler and i know what he means
2: that smell is disgusting oh, it's ugh. burnt hair it's it, oh, terrible. disgusting but i, I was think- at the dentist the other day and i smelled that smell because they're grinding yep. on my teeth yeah
3: <laughs> is that the vet yeah. is that the <laughs> vet or the dentist
2: <laughs> the <laughs> they're drilling on your
3: ivory baby <laughs> they were giving that tusk of fucking polishing yeah it's terrible <laughs> it's terrible it's an awful smell
1: I think if you can smell it, you're probably inhaling it. So if you can smell it, you need to be
2: wearing PPE. Um, yeah,
3: PPE.
1: Because that could be nasty nasty stuff, all those fibers getting
2: into you. It can't be good. Well, he's, he's saying burnt antler, and so I would suggest maybe using some sharp belts. Oh. Slow down your motor if you can, or slow down your belt if you can. Use a dust collector if you got something. Good answer. Uh, even just a little shock vac. Uh, do everything you can to collect all that stuff because it is a horrible smell. It's terrible. Mm. So bad. you know
3: what? You made a very good point. A sharp belt, a new belt, and a slower speed is going to take away a lot of that burning, mm. especially if you've been using that belt before on steel. You use that belt oh, before yeah. on steel, you load that thing up with steel dust and it'll burn your wood up too. so you got have that you got have that fresh you got have that fresh antler belt. you have to have a belt <laughs>
2: pile for your antler belt right to well, use one something. For yeah. You want to use like an alumina oxide belt because it's it one it's better for soft material and it's also designed to actually break down so the belt is continually uh kind of revealing uh fresh abrasive so it'll continue to cut uh sharp for until obviously until you wear down through the abrasive but that will also help reduce down because if you're working with stuff that won't break down. Working on a, a belt that won't break down. It's going to start loading up and getting all nasty. And that's going to start frying and burning up your antler too.
3: Yeah, burn, so burn up, that up that aluminum
2: oxide going to help you out.
3: Yeah, don't burn up that antler.
2: Mm.
1: And t- talking Ugh. about belts and the ways of using belts. I did a live video this week on the Knife Talk podcast account. Oh, yeah. um, asking about those, you know those arrows that you get on some, particularly the heavyweight belts. Um, you get the arrows showing the direction of travel. And I wasn't sure whether they were put there by the manufacturer to say you only use that one direction, or were sure. they there so the user could determine where you know when they've sort of half used the belt, then turn it and use the other half. I wasn't sure, so I asked the question. Had a few different answers, but basically most people were saying they do turn it round, they do get an extra bit of life. Um, but I then yeah. did get a response from a uh, a belt manufacturer. Uh, a guy at Preferred Abrasives, and he said that, th- that they come from the factory. So when that factory make these huge, big rolls of um, abrasives before their belts, they'll have these arrows simply because they don't know if, if, the, if the maker of the belt is then going to overlap them um, on the join. Because if it's overlapping, you obviously can't go the other way because it'll rip your belt apart. Um, so, for example, the belts that I were using, they weren't overlapped. Um, so the join there, there was a tiny little gap. So essentially, that can be used in either direction. It's only if there be an overlap you really need to adhere to the to those arrows.
2: Very good. Well, and what's interesting, I I I didn't really think about those arrows. I've mm. seen them. But I've never thought about what they mean at all. I just oh. use the belt however any direction. I listen. And I listen. Out.
3: I always like, oh, it's supposed to go this way. <laughs> that because I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but if you've ever loaded uh, 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 a bandsaw blade backwards Ooh, and then yeah. wonder why nothing is happening, I've done that. <laughs> I mean, I was literally, I, just, I, I was literally, I put, loaded a brand new expensive belt. Uh, a bandsaw blade backwards i didn't check which direction the teeth were going and i'm sitting there i'm sitting there we're cutting a piece of i-beam and i'm like what the fuck is happening with this goddamn new belt <laughs> and i looked down and i bent all the teeth more backwards i basically made a oh, I, I ruined the belt in one minute Oh the the, the blade so you know i always listen now i yeah listen I <sighs> watch those arrows baby
1: or watch not them. or not in this case yeah
3: or not <laughs> in this case but i always pay attention. i i'm a I, uh, I surrender to the, uh, the authority. I surrender.
1: Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> and so, Ross Voslo, again from Instagram, has asked As an up and coming part time bladesmith looking to um, and really praying to make this my full time gig, how do you get out there? He lives in Zimbabwe, so it's difficult to get out there and physically speak, which I. Don't quite understand. But um, so, any tips on how to potentially grow online would be a massive help. Um, and that was from Ross from Zimbabwe.
3: Now, yeah. I would be very interested in what it's like being a knife maker in Zimbabwe. And I would think if you do like, you kind of have to create like some sort of strain. I mean, it's interesting. I think he's an inter- probably a very interesting person. We I live in cold New York. I'm wearing three sweatshirts right now. I I would be interested to know what it's like to be making knives in Africa. You know, and, and, and I think yeah. that you can do once a week, do some you know create some interest. I think that you you, you have to tell your story, and that's n- nowadays. And I talk to I talk to my buddy Jonathan Porter, and I talk to all these guys. We talk about the, this potential for uh, uh, a bubble uh, is not, is the kitchen knife business going to be uh, saturated? What do you do in that situation? And I always come to the conclusion that you have to set yourself apart from other people i would say that it would be interesting to know what it's like what you do and i would say that you have a story to tell and what's your story and get people interested in what you're doing that's the only thing i can suggest use yeah. social media i, to your I best. absolutely agree and yeah. i
1: think you know we're in a golden time I, I don't think location's got anything to do with it zero I, my nope. my zero. business hasn't changed from moving from the uk to france and i'm here in the middle of nowhere in france you know i'm certainly not in paris it's very very different and that really hasn't changed things so i mean you're saying it yourself you know you growing online that's the, that's the key you've got you've got exactly the same tools available to you as everybody else out there you just and need my- to think maybe outside the box and think a bit cleverer and as as jeff says you know show your story because yours is going to be very different to everybody
3: else's and just to show you about how local doesn't mean anything, my beef, I'm going after some local people. So <laughs> just to let you know that how it does not matter, it does not matter in terms of business. I don't, you know, so I would be fascinated to know what it's like. To, I, I know that, you know what, he also posted a video about what to do with old uh, belts. Like he was hmm. actually did a short video. He was loading up these uh these thin, he, he's a real good podcast guy oh, and right. I know he does a lot of, so he's taking these little belts and he was loading them up with polish or rouge and he was using the, those belts as a polishing. We, he's a, you know, a resourceful guy, you know, so uh, it, I'd be interested stopping, to yeah. see more. I'd be interested to see more of his, you know, where he's at, what's his deal.
2: For sure. I I follow a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's been pretty influential on how I approach using social media as a platform to kind of tell my story and, and, and kind of document. And one of the things he always talks about is documenting, not creating. So not to overthink Create creative content, you know, what kind of stuff should I videotape or take photos of? Is is the lighting right? His goal, his thing is to document and tell your story and I think that's what's brilliant about what Alex Steele has done is that he's just documenting his story, his process of learning how to become a blacksmith and a bladesmith and learning all these different skills, showing his uh, successes as well as his failures but what's uh, the opportunity is to create a community that connects with you in a meaningful way, and not because you know you make uh, a thing, but because of who you are. And I think just like you were, you both have been saying, he, you know, being a maker from Zimbabwe. I mean, that's I don't I've never heard of any makers from Zimbabwe. So I think that's a really op- real cool opportunity to kind of just start using, you know, like Instagram stories. Or taking video and starting a YouTube channel and just kind of documenting your process of learning, making mistakes, working with other people, uh, your successes, um, different processes that you've learned. Uh, I think there's a huge opportunity. uh, But I think it's a grind, and too many people think that, oh, you know, I'm going to, it's going to happen in like a couple months. Alex Steele has been doing his YouTube channel for like six or seven years. Mm. That's fucking patience. And he's, what is he? He's 19, 20 years old? Like, that's Boy, some serious patience. And, which is impressive. And even me, like, I find myself getting impatient sometimes. And I got to sit back and realize, like, it's going to take time. If it's going to be something meaningful that has longevity and it's going to last, it's going to take time. The best things that that do last, yeah, you know. I, I don't
3: – I know a lot of people do YouTube channels and I'm totally for my friends who do it. it the YouTube thing can seem like it's – it seems as though it's a second job, all the editing and stuff like that. Oh, and that's why for sure. I've been doing for years – I've been doing the Instagram Live for the reason is because I used to podcast and I did the Instagram Live once a week because I wanted to feel more comfortable speaking and be try to yeah. figure out ways in which to practice being more uh, coherent. And it's paid off. I mean – I think that consistency and trying to get out there and trying to tell your story—it doesn't have to be, you know—it doesn't have to be, you know. There's a, a one of Joe Rogan's guys. His name is—he's um, that Australian hunter. You know what I'm talking about, Mareko? He's a, a Green Tree, something sure. Green Tree. His name's something okay. Green Tree. He's a hunter, and he was doing these incredible hunts, and he was doing all this, the, documenting the hunts on his Instagram stories. And it was intense. So you'd follow him on these. You were with him for three (laughs) days, and everything's Instagram stories. And he created this content that was very, very compelling. I think that you know, I don't know, I I don't know what he wants to do in regards to business, or but a lot of times nowadays, I think that people are very interested in your story, and that's how you separate Hmm. yourself out. Absolutely. And you probably, in my mind, I'm so stupid. I think that there's like you know. Will the beast running around behind you yeah, you know, I, I, I or like lions and zebras and shit, so what the fuck do I know you know i'm I'm kind of hoping i'm mean, that's what I'm hoping for, to be honest with you I'm hoping like you're like you have to wade through some guinea hens to get to your shop or
2: something you know i yeah I think we've all got interesting stories, and the, the social media gives us a platform by which through which to tell those stories i mean Craig is. Uh, a Welshman who lives in France, who has a background in tech and and digital, uh, you know. Jeff, you're you used to be a sculptor and you've worked in restaurants and now you're a knife maker. I, you know, I used to be a fucking hobo, <laughs> Hobo? And now you say a and- hobo hobo. A hobo,
3: not. A hobo. Yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I used to I be a
2: homo. I used
3: <laughs> to think, yeah, I thought you said I used to be a homo. Like, what the fuck does that no. mean? Why would you hobo. say that? A hobo, <laughs> a hobo.
2: No, but I was, I was like, pseudo homeless <laughs> for a little while before oh, I finally got my shit together. Not as
3: funny, not as funny now. And I worked in
2: restaurants and, you know, from washing dishes, and now I'm making knives, and I love it. And so I think we all have an opportunity to tell our story and using the tools that are available to us and especially through what Instagram has and I think that's the best place for especially knife makers to do their thing. Mm. Uh, your know, stories helps you show like stop take a minute to post up a 15 second post every couple hours and just kind of follow through your day. I am I used to be really good at it. I'm horrible at it now. I've just been so backlogged with and focusing on my my work, but I need to get back into it and that's definitely a big goal for me in the new year, but yeah. Use the tools that are available to you, especially ones that are for free, that you don't have to overthink, and that's, you know, Instagram is a good place for that.
0: Miracles notes to a New knife maker.
2: Okay, so this week's uh, Notes to a Knife Maker, we're going to be talking about the S-Grind, uh, but I actually would love uh, both Jeff and Craig's um, helping it. I mean... You know, I know how I do it, but, you know, what kind of questions do you guys have about the approach or, yeah, you know, I don't know. Where do you think I should start? Well, here's the
3: question I would ask. If I, if, if I was doing yeah. an S-grind, and I, in the beginning we talked about it, I would get close. How deep do you go? All right. Okay. And, then, and then how deep do you go, and then where do you make a reference point on your spine? Are you, like, not – you're staying off, like, you know – it's 3 sixteenths ths off the spine or how do you sure, sure. plan out how big your how how do you plan out how big your s grind is going to be
2: good deal all right yeah that's definitely a good place to start um so like jeff was talking about earlier um i don't know if you've tried the s grind yet but you were talking about doing a flat grind and then taking it to your disc sander and flattening it out um that's actually, that's basically what I do with my blade is I do a, after I've heat treated it, I pull it out and I do a full flat grind and I take the edge down to about 20, 25, 20 to 30 thousandths at the edge and then it's a full distal taper from, uh, you know, where the spine in the knife meets the integral bolster all the way out to the tip um, and the thickness at the spine for me is usually around uh, 150, 140 thousandths of an inch Nice. Um which I think translates to about three three to four mil.
3: Um what's that in normal in what's metric? that normal measurements? What's that in the New York measurements? <laughs> Some bullshit. I can't uh, I have these styles when you get everybody's styles and shit, How I'm just that like, feel? what the fuck does that mean? What? Five how's five thirty seconds? Nice. Now we're talking. <laughs> five thirty seconds.
2: I'm with you. hundred percent. Three mil okay. sounds
1: so much easier. Three let's go with three mil.
2: Yeah, three mil is great. <laughs> so, but I do a full flat and you can actually, when I first started doing it, I, along the cutting edge side, I would just take a Sharpie and mark out about a half inch or five, five eighths from the edge and just draw a line, you know, using the edge of my finger as kind of a, a guide, uh, down, down the edge of my knife, obviously not sharp and, and mark out how, uh, where I don't want to go. And, and then you just kind of step up, it, you know, I don't, I don't have any fancy way of doing this other than doing it. You know, I taught myself how to grind a hollow and all I j- just did was stand up to the or step up to the platen and shove a piece of metal into it. And so I would obviously do it delicately. And you you're focusing to on the middle though. You're focusing on the middle of your, of your pathway. Yeah. And because I start with a 36 grit. Uh, you, I do kind of start in the middle of the blade um, and then I kind of let's see because of the radius because of how large of a radius it is it, it's a three foot radius which replicates a six foot wheel essentially which is a giant wheel for for grinding on um, that you don't have to go very deep to get the, the width it's more about like the surface area that I'm trying to expose or cut into um, and so you don't it doesn't take much to go very deep. I think by the time I'm done, it's maybe thirty thousandths of an inch deep. Maybe, maybe only twenty thousandths. It's not very deep. Um, and so so you're going
3: by the width yeah. of the of the actual S grind. You're not. You can't really measure how deep it goes.
2: Yeah, not really. It's not. It's not for me. It's not about measuring how deep it goes. It's about it's about watching. You know, I do bring it up to the spine, but slowly at the thirty six grit. I, you know, I start back at uh, kind of my ricasso area and then gently and carefully and slowly work my way out to the tip of the blade, um, but because I'm going to have to do consecutive, consecutive grits, so I go from 36 to 60 to 120 uh, and 220, um, I know I got to leave room for more growth essentially for that hollow to grow, so I don't take it all the way to the spine. I leave maybe an eighth of an inch uh, or I stay off the spine. Um, and then about you're, an eighth of an inch and then
3: you're stopping bef- like an inch before or like a half an inch before the tip right you're not going all the way across
2: yeah not all the way down to the tip no and you know ultimately too that's not really where you need the s grind the s grind is it helps when you're cutting through especially most vegetables and that you're going to use in your prep work and so most of that work is being done in the middle uh kind of half I, I guess two fourths of the blade you know if you cut it into, into quarters two four quarter out of the tip one, what's that what's one two fourths in millimeters uh i don't know all right uh anyway <laughs> it's uh it's it's 150 millimeters oh. uh so, anyways uh yeah and then you just kind of work it in and refine it i am i i do have some videos i actually took um, a while back, when I was uh, Alex Steele, actually did a, a video on ma- doing the S grind on a chef's knife, and I, so I sent him all these videos of me grinding an S grind. So I could put I could put those up, but I, it's hard to describe. I'm I'm, and I'm I don't teach because I'm a I'm terrible at describing things. I'm better at showing things. Um, well, get and, ready because you just said you just said I'm
3: going to do a video. You get ready for all the where's no, the video? No, I already <laughs> I have
2: the videos. Uh, they're already done. So, and if they Night, work maybe, for Alec, they should work for anybody else. Maybe north um, uh, on the forum. You make people go to the forum. Well, I'll probably, what I'll do is I'll probably post them on YouTube. And then, um, and then, yeah, we can link out from the forum, uh, on knifetalk.net slash, what is that, backslash forum, Craig?
1: No, it's forum.knifetalk.net.
2: Oh, sorry. I totally fucked that Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> and then I'll also make sure to put, uh, links, uh, you know, on the Instagrams, wherever I can. But um, if if you're going to try this out, I would suggest just getting a piece of some mild steel just to get a feel for grinding the hollow because hollow grinding is definitely different from flat. Um, and especially when you're putting it in the middle of the blade, there's not a lot of room for error of up and down and wiggling around and stuff um, because you could really kind of mess up how the blade effectively cuts um so getting used to the platen is also a good way to start but if you're solid and i and i don't know how it works uh unfortunately using a tool rest i don't use a tool rest when i grind so i'm doing everything freehand um and so when it comes jeff might have to do some uh some videos of how to use the tool rest to do the hologram I'm, rend- I'm
3: off the tool rest after heat treatment i only do the tool oh, rest at really? the beginning
2: Okay. Before
3: heat treatment, just and actually, I do oh, use. Oh, so you can really hog,
2: right? Sure. Yeah, I'm, Interesting.
3: Uh, I've taken the. I'm taking the training wheels off, my man.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love it. All right, there's nothing wrong with the tool rest. I know. I I'm use, not I use a tool rest. I use the tool rest. Right to the bitter end.
3: I, you know, I like a tool rest. I'm just, you know, bong.
1: Something to rest my tool yeah. on.
3: Yeah. Eh. Ah, oh, perfect. That's some hobo. Careful. That's some hobo shit right when, there. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's my favorite thing my favorite thing in this whole thing is when you're you got that you got that finger on the button and something happens and you just touch it right when the wrong time i love that it's my favorite thing
2: so basically when you're when you're trying to do the s grind you're trying to learn it i would suggest just take it slow maybe work in some steel like some miles go buy a bar of mild steel to go practice on um, but when I'm grinding it, I I do I touch it to the platen just for a couple seconds. I take a look at it. Grind it, look. Grind it, look. I'm looking at the blade all the time, uh, like literally every couple seconds, just to make sure I'm not getting off track because it's easy um, to do that. But once you lay that initial kind of – channel in the blade for the hollow it's it's pretty easy to kind of you you essentially create a track within which the consecutive the the finer and finer grip belts can kind of ride in mm-hmm. um, but setting that first one can be kind of tricky um, but anyways like i said i'll i'll link up some videos and uh we'll get those up into everybody so that uh that helps have oh. that visual aspect boom
3: mm-hmm. Well, beefs. All right. Here's what we do. And um, just to let you know, if this is your pissed. first time listening to this podcast, we do these beefs where some people call them rants. I just think that they're, you know, expressing <laughs> our irritation at something. And sometimes it's, in, sometimes it's enjoyable for you to hear it and sometimes it isn't. So we just, you know, <laughs> this is going to be the last beef, our personal beefs of the year. Yeah. Not so, quite. Not no. oh, our Christmas beefs. Confused. you're right, you're right. Um, this is my last beef from 2018. I don't have any more beefs after this one.
1: So, so next week is our Christmas Eve episode, and that's an all-beef special. The
3: all-beef review.
1: Already recorded that, and it was lots of fun. So that was beef sent in by, yeah, by the listeners. And just a sneaky peek, this, this was my favourite, just a quick sneaky peek. Right, my beef is people... <laughs> <laughs> what? That's it. That's all you hear because that had us laughing what an a accent. lot. Had us laughing.
3: Oh, oh baby, that's
2: a great act.
1: So, so our beefs this week. Um, I'll I'll kick off. Um, mine is um the community. We we've now got a community of knife makers, and we all we chat to each other. We know each other. We're encouraging. Don't um, go
3: bad at anybody. Go ahead don't go bad on anybody keep going don't go bad on anybody I know what you're going at go ahead
1: (laughs) you need to get back on the weed Jeff (laughs) (laughs) I'll
3: be too paranoid go ahead
1: but um, it's people who aren't encouraging so I mean you may put up a piece of work um, which you know I think I've talked about this in the past putting your work out there to others particularly others who do the same sort of work as your own can be quite daunting because everybody's going to have opinions but I think if your opinion is bad, go away. Don't, don't express bad, bad opinions in such a public way. I mean, think it's, it's just rude. There's a reason why the likes of Instagram and so on have, have a like button or a heart button and not a dislike or, you know, or, or a hate button. There's just no need for it. So if you find something that you, know, that you don't like – you don't necessarily have to just jump in and say, whoa, I don't like that or, you know, or diss it in any way because you're not going to do that to somebody in the street. If you see somebody in the street, you're not going to say, hey, I don't like that jacket. Um, by all means, you know, say something nice if, if you see something that you like. But if you don't like it, you don't have to participate. Just Just move on. Move on. That's my beef. That's my beef.
3: Well, there there is it something be. To be, there is something to be said about you know when, when you're one thing I will say is when I was in uh, an art major, we had to do critiques, art critiques, and what would happen is the whole class would make a sculpture or do a painting or whatever, and then the whole class would talk about it because you're trying to make that person better. Now mm-hmm. the, the the rules really were you had to be you had to explain. The criticism, but it had to be constructive criticism. Yeah, if the yeah. per, if that person wanted it, if it's just saying something, just to say it, like you couldn't say, like in art critique, you couldn't say if somebody says, "All right, well, what do you think of that?" And you say it's cool. The art teacher would be like, "Yeah, yeah, I can't really say it. that's not really that's not telling me. You have to explain what you like about it, and you have to you know ext- ex- you know extrapolate more in order to help the person. And that's what constructive criticism is. That's being helpful, but especially but unsolicited." Negativity is not really – it's not good. You're right. I find
1: it strange. I just find it really strange. So, it's I mean, anti- <laughs> it is it's kind of strange. How do these right? people <laughs> get on with their day-to-day lives? No, socially, they must just be you know, in a weird place. You know? It's but, antisocial. But anyway, anyway,
3: it's antisocial. Anyway. All right. That's a good beef.
2: Uh, <laughs> my beef, I would say mine is somewhat similar, but it's, it's unsolicited – DMs from people and, <laughs> and especially coming from uh, people who offer or whose business is to offer some sort of supplies for knife making uh, I, I've definitely there's one person in particular I'm not going to mention but don't
3: go bad on anybody <laughs>
2: that's what
3: I'm going to say the rest Bam. of you
2: <laughs> okay so I understand being like oh hey I got this new thing I thought you'd appreciate I feel like it really compliments your stuff or whatever that would be really that would be nice then leave it there uh, this this guy is sending... He'll send, like, a dozen messages all in a row. And I'm like, alright, kid. You're fucking spamming me now. And it's pissing me off. And what it makes me want to do is say, fuck you to him. And then tell everybody I know not to buy shit from him. Because he's a spammy motherfucker. And I don't like the way he does business. Uh, so... Don't spam people in their DM because, unfortunately, in Instagram, once somebody's in your inbox, you can't get them out. So, <laughs> don't make me wish I could kick your ass out. Whoa. <laughs> Basically. Nice. Kick your nice. ass,
1: That's taking is,
3: I'm going to be very petty right now. I'm going to be petty and unnecessary, but that's how it's going to be. This is the last beef of the year and I'm going to go after, I'm going to go after someone. I told you guys not to go bad on someone. I'm going bad on someone. And if you, if you hear, if you hear this and you're starting to say, you are so out of touch, Jeff, I'm not interested. Then this isn't for you, but I'm telling you how it is. So I've been involved with these publications, local publications, and It's been nice. It's been fine. And I appreciate it. I appreciate being involved in these publications. And recently, I found out from somebody that I was in a publication, a local publication that I've been in before. Was that George? That was George. So, (laughs) I looked it up, and (laughs) it was a two, well, first of all, and, and like I said, this is petty. But that's you're just gonna have to. We're gonna. We're getting what we're gonna get. I'm gonna explain why I'm being petty. So, it's they the, the, the magazine had taken an image from my old website and they photoshopped it, and then they photoshopped the knives in these weird positions. They spent time photoshopping an image from my website. Then they wrote about how George Fader. Makes knives in Peekskill, and then they said, and you can buy these, and then they said signature scales, which the picture that they had were not the signature scales. And then they said these these eight-inch knives will be ready for Christmas. And it was like, it was as if they made the whole thing up. Like, I was irritated, and then they said, you know, so, listen, and I was, I'm appreciative, I'm appreciative, but as you know, as your makers... You're in charge of your heat treatment. You're in charge of your bevel. You're in charge of your sharpness. You don't want other people doing your stuff, and part of that's the content. So I was irritated. It was just like, well, look, I, you know, the name George Fader, okay, Geo, GeoFF, Geo, whatever George is, I get it. But it's like it was all wrong, and it was like two, it was like it was like a sentence and a half, and there was there was five different things that were wrong. I don't want to get emailed. I was getting emails. Hey, I want to buy George Fader's blue. Aiden chef's knife. Well, they're, they're Christmas. Well, that's not going to happen because they're, you know, it's, they fucked up. So basically I was irritated mm-hmm. because they could have called. They know me. They could have called me. I would have given them a blur. Oh, I would have given them the picture. I would have told them it's not goddamn George, you morons. And, mm-hmm. and at first I was just like, Ugh. but then I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to write the editor. I know the editor. I wrote the editor. And I was at first I was going to write this long letter. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to write dear blah, blah, blah. I appreciate. I said I started off nice, and I said thank you for putting me in your magazine. But I just wanted to let you know you got everything wrong, and I said it like that. I said you got everything wrong, including my name. It's not George's Jeff, but you know that. So I just pressed send. It was at five o'clock in the morning. I probably could have been a little bit more tactful, but I didn't. I got a response back from this guy. He was so at the beginning. He, it was like oh. I'm terribly sorry we got your name wrong. But we did put you in this and we put you in this and we brought you in this and we brought you, in this, and we brought you in this. And he was irritated that I was irritated. And I oh was God. irritated, I was irritated that he was irritated that I was irritated. And it was a fucking <laughs> infuriating because it was just like, you know what, you fucker? I, and then he was like, well, you know, maybe you should be sending more and more stuff that I can put you in the feature. I'm like, listen, buddy. I'm not going to be getting a lot of business from magazines that are just in the dental offices in White Plains. Just relax. But all I ask is just, you know, have a little consideration. And I know these are not uh, this is not the office of a Fifth Avenue magazine, and I know that the magazine business is going under fast, and I know that the new, you know, these guys, they think they're helping, but what it looked like to me when it all came down to it is those guys who take your picture and put it up as their own to sell T-shirts. You're kind of corrupting my content, and mm. if I can't be in control of my fucking content, then – what the fuck am I in business for? So that's it. I was just, you know, I know this sounds petty. and you know, you're probably thinking, God, Fader is in a magazine and, you know, what an asshole for being so. But, you know, you got to be in control nah, of your shit.
2: They're setting Daniels. you up to be an asshole. Well, because I mean, then, then those people reach out to you and you have to say no. Yeah, George. And then you look like the jerk.
3: Oh, I mean, you know, it's like it's like if the guys who are. It's like the when the guys took your content, Craig, and then he said, "Oh, what's? Well, what are you so mad about? I'm promoting you, but you're not really promoting me. You're kind of you're taking my shit. and You're kind of yeah. fucking it all up."
1: <sighs> well, I went a little La- bit crazy. It's lazy journalism, and it's,
2: well, it's it's fake news, as your president would say.
3: No, <laughs> oh my god! Don't don't listen. Let's let's just let's just leave that alone. Please. <laughs> I
2: will, I will say, Jeff. I have to thank you because I think it's because of you. That I was in Vogue magazine. No,
3: there's no way.
2: There's no way. I have no connections in Vogue. I have none. You know who who runs and does the writing for Vogue is Condé Nast, Eh. and they own
3: Epicurus. Oh, you think there was a connection there? Can I can I make a suggestion? Absolutely. Can I make it? I appreciate it. I want to tell you that that was a very very kind thing that you said. It is a huge stretch. I'm going to tell you something about the Condé Nast people. I'm going to tell you something about the <laughs> magazine people. None of them pay attention. They're all – they don't paying care. Attention. They don't care. They're not – they, I don't think they care. But I'm take your. I'm going to take your thanks as a thank you. I appreciate you and I appreciate all you've done for me. And then blah, blah, blah. I'm with you. I, but I don't – I think you're no giving me too much no credit. Worries. I think
2: – oh, God. No was no that the
3: winter swimwear edition <laughs> of Fucking Old.
2: New Worries. I was the one with uh, Emily Blunt on the cover as the new Mary Poppins.
3: Fucking hell, Mary Poppins! Ma-
2: <laughs> Mary fucking Poppins, huh? <laughs> fucking hell, Mary Poppins!
3: <laughs> I was walking around the house saying that. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell, Mary Poppins! All right, folks.
1: If you don't know what we're talking about, no, if you listen to you next are. week's episode, which is our all-beef review, it'll all become <laughs> right. My beef is people wanting to come, they're interested, they want to come and see us, mate,
3: I love that guy. Anyway, I anyway. love that guy. That made my day. I love that guy. So that's a show.
1: That's a show. Yeah.
3: So <sighs> I didn't tell you my disgusting Christmas story, but that, that'll be for next year.
1: Go on, Jeff. Tell, t- tell us what, what happened when hell, you sat You want so no, to know? You want to know? What
3: did he do to you? When I was a kid, my parents took me on a trip. And I was afraid that I w- that Santa wouldn't know where I was, so I was telling my mother. I'm like, said, "Mom, I'm I'm worried that Santa, does- I'm not at home. What if Santa doesn't know that I'm I'm here?" And so she said, oh, "Don't worry." She changed the subject. She said, "Well, what do you want for Christmas?" And I said, "Well, you know, I really want a brother." And she said, "Well, I don't think it really works that way." And I'm like, "Well, hey, listen, hey." I'm under the impression that you asked me what I want for Christmas from Santa Claus. And I say what I want. That's the, there's no like debate. I want a brother. And she said, well, what else do you want? I'm like, ah, you know, a brother, you know, I kept on going with the brother. (laughs) So all of a sudden, after me saying brother 10 times, my mother said, Jeff, I, I, I have something to tell you. There is no Santa Claus. Your father and I are Santa Claus. And I just want you to know that in our heart, We want you to know that the Santa Claus is in your heart because it's us. And I was like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden she goes, and let me tell you now where children are born. So what happens is now is the father puts his wiener into the mother and then inseminates the eggs. And then all of a sudden that's when the baby comes out of the mom, the vagina. And I'm like, Fuck! All I wanted was some fucking Legos, honestly. And it was like, I got... I, I fucking, she death? fucking Jesus. screwed me. It was the worst. All I wanted, honestly, all I wanted were some goddamn Legos. And I got, there is no Santa Claus, and your dad's fucking me. That's all I got! It was the worst! It's the worst! It was the worst That's what you get Christmas. for being
2: a precocious little shit. Dude, it
3: was, I was oh, being innocent. Me. I was super innocent. I just wanted some fucking Legos. And I was just wanted a fucking brother. I thought that was the, the deal. But no, I get... There is no Santa Claus and wiener into the vagina. It was the worst. (laughs) Worst Worst Christmas ever. game
2: changer of a day for you.
3: Terrible. True story. You
2: did it to yourself. True
3: story. I I did get the Legos, though. You got got the Legos. It all all works out well. So that's it. That's the show. Merry Christmas,
1: Christmas, everybody. And we shall speak to you
3: next week. Merry Christmas, you hobos. Merry
2: Christmas.